when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand up and pray in the houses of worship and on the street corners so that everyone will see them. I assure you they have already been paid in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what you do in private will reward you. When you pray, do not use lots of meaningless words as the pagans do, who think that their God will hear them because their prayers are long. Do not be like them. Your Father already knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honoured. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. Do not bring us to hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. If you forgive others the wrongs they have done for you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive the wrongs you have done. Thanks be to God for his word. So, I'm going to begin um, this week with our first in the series of prayer. Um, but before I do, I just wanted to put some context to what we're doing, in case you don't know. Uh, you don't have to go far back in Baptist history um, to, to know that the Baptists, or what became known as the Baptists, met in small groups. They met around the word of God. They had to because they believed and reflected and discovered from the word of God uh, a radical and dissenting form of Christianity. It was dynamic and dangerous to them. And as they discovered the good news and wrestled with it and brought it back from the powers that be to the ordinary folk, they became in danger. So it's not something new that we might meet in small groups. And it's something that we've done for quite some time. In fact, I bet if you go back in history before me, much, much longer before me, I'm looking desperately for someone to tell us when we started doing small groups. But it was a long time ago. Um, I wanted to try and make them more part of our life together. I definitely, and I'll talk about this in a minute, wanted to do some prayer reflection without the minister so that you can have a good, your own understanding and your own feelings about it and get them out. Um, but I've wanted to do it for some time. So these are the dates that I will be preaching on prayer. The first date is today, obviously. Oh, that goes up, all goes up one. It's gone funny. Uh, and will be introduction. The second date will be on 8th of November. 
when we will be looking at does prayer really change anything? Don't answer that, by the way. Just saying that's what we're talking about. And on the 22nd of November, we'll be using the theme, Teach Us to Pray. So that's where we're going. This morning we're going to do the uh, introduction. And if you just push that on one, just so that you can see, these are so far the small groups. So if you're not in a small group and you want to get into a small group, see what it's like, have a taster. These are the groups in which these things might be thrown around. Uh, they're not all the same. They're, in fact, they're totally different. Some are Bible study groups. Some are just meeting together every so often groups. So there's Vision Gusses, there's Carmen, there's Chris Robery and Je uh, Gloria, there's John and Jenny's group, Karen and Kay are starting a new group, and we have the Seven Up group, Nathan and I, and Mansfield would like to start a new group, and the Monday at Two group, I understand, are going to maybe look at some of the subjects that we might bring up. Um, so really, if you want to get involved in any of those, can I suggest that you go to the people up on the board uh, and sort yourself out into some group? Because it'll be really exciting to meet together and to get to know one another and to care for one another and see where we go from there. Okay. Thank you, Nathan. Sorry. It's lovely. What I've got for you this morning is a short introduction. Something to get us started. It's fairly fragmented, I'm afraid, as a preach. Uh, leaving lots of holes for you maybe to pick up on. But I hope despite that, we have enough threads to continue in those groups. Um, and some of the stuff I'll leave till later. I'll have all the materials ready to give out the Sunday before the groups. But if you do want them sooner, they will be ready on the Monday, but you'll have to find me. That's for group leaders. So here we go, let's dive in. If I asked you, how's your prayer life? How would you answer? I'm not going to. So relax. Don't want to know. It's private. It's in the closed room. I'm not, I'm not going to probe like that. But what state is it in? If I were to go to the hospital and have a scan of your inner spirit, what would the prayer life bit of you look like? What would it show up on the scan? Sadly, we can't do that. So how do we measure how well we're doing? Is the state of your prayer life determined by how often you pray? How long you pray? Is it measured by how many people are, pray are, are you praying for? How much faith that you pray with? How many prayers get answered? How many books you might have read on prayer? 
or how much you know about prayer. If we're honest, these are sometimes the things we are tempted to measure our prayer life by. Often they leave us feeling inadequate and then guilty. And then we give up. Perhaps that's just me. In our reading this morning, it seems there were those who liked to look as if they were good at it. Yet Jesus seemed to direct us away from the outward signs, the razzmatazz, away from the pomp and the glamour and the trophy winning, to quite an unsung place where our heart might have a chance to meet with God, away from the headlines, away from the measurements, just in his presence. Now I have a passion for us to be released into prayer, for all of us to find new ground, perhaps holy ground, to stand on, whether we've been praying for years or not even begun yet. John Ortberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, describes playing American football. Now, some of us haven't even got the rugby sorted out yet, so I'm not sure that American football might be the best picture. But there's this pass in American football called the Hail Mary Pass. Okay? Apparently, it comes at the end of the game when all is tried and every plan to get that ball over the line has been attempted and there's only seconds to go and the, is it the quarterback? I've no idea. Gets a hold of the ball and he throws it with a Hail Mary prayer. And he hopes that somebody will get it and run over the line. He hopes it will work. Like those players, so often we go through life within ourselves, within our own strength. We've got the game all sorted out until we come up against it. The clock starts ticking. Time is against us. Everything seems against us. And if we're going to get through, we need to make that Hail Mary pass that Hail Mary prayer, our last hope of survival. We only get a moment. There will almost certainly be not long enough for us to do a PhD in the theology of prayer and mostly only long enough to say the words, help to God. We may have a little more time to embellish it with some words, But basically, that sort of prayer is the cry for hope in a desperate situation. A desperate person's prayer. When we face the consultant who gives us the results and there is not good news. When we've tried every other mode of help and we've nowhere else to turn. When the marriage is breaking down when the kids are getting us down, when the pantry's empty. I'll never forget the words of my eldest son as he laid in an intensive care bed. Mom, please pray for me. Didn't go near church. Wasn't interested in God. 
completely denies it now, by the way. But he did say it. And I did pray. And we all do pray in those circumstances. It's an intuitive human thing that does just belong, it doesn't just belong to us Christians. It's like grasping for breath. We grab at it and we hold it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that sort of prayer, with the God help me prayer. In fact, it can often be the beginning of a spiritual life, maybe the first steps. Certainly Robin, my husband, would say that it was true for him. He was a young kid in a field on a crusader holiday and the wind was blowing and there were some hell's angels upon the bridge and he became terrified of that and for the first time in his life he cried out to God and God came to him and he experienced something for the first time of God's love and God's care. But the truth is, even though these sorts of prayer may be the first step, they do not sustain us in a spiritual life. However we are honest, as many of us are, we fall into this pattern of prayer sometimes. Turning to God when we need something on our list. But the rest of the time, we can get by alone. We're quite all right, thank you, God. Jesus gives us here in this passage an outline of that prayer. That prayer is more than a list. That has more to offer than just words to recite as we do with the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps this might be something to look at more closely in your groups. I don't have time for that this morning. Uh, And indeed, we are going to look at it tonight at Cafe Church, those words of the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is more than these things. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. We don't like that word discipline, but it is a spiritual discipline. Charles Spurgeon preached, pray until you can really pray. Pray until you can really pray. Angela Ashwin, who is a favourite of quite a number of people here, uh, wrote this about prayer. Prayer is God's gift to us. A banquet of good things to feed our inner life as we respond to that invitation to feast of his peace, of his forgiveness, of his challenge and love. Listen to this prayer of St. Isaac, the Syrian. Again, an ancient prayer, but listen to the truths that he's captured in it. Holy Spirit, dwell in me, that I may become prayer. Eat or drink, labor or rest, may the fragrance of prayer rise without effort in my heart. Purify my soul and never leave me so that the movement of my heart and my mind may with voices full of sweetness sing in secret to God. Holy Spirit, dwell in me that I may become prayer. There is something preciously true about those lines. 
The gospel we follow says God is real. He is interested in every part of our lives. Jesus said that in the prayer, our Father in heaven. What a privilege to come to God in such an intimate way. And prayer is that encounter where we can speak to God and he to us as our hearts meet. We know him. We connect. At that moment that we know him and we connect, we change. At that moment, we are in his love and his mercy in equal measure. At that moment, something happens to us and we change. The discipline of prayer will transform us into the image of God that we were created to be. Prayer is the oxygen we breathe, the oxygen that we take in. If we become unconnected, far away from God, we float around directionless like astronauts in space, disconnected from the spaceship. All this spiritual talk, does it earth itself in the realities of our lives, in the purposes God has for us here? The Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you, or anything you ask in my name, I will do. And we say, well, that doesn't happen in reality, does it? Because everything we ask, he doesn't do. Not, he, not as we ask it, at any rate. Because this only becomes a reality when we know what we ask in his name. When we know the one that we are asking, he will make his will known to us. We only really know what we ask if we know what is on his heart. We only know what is on his heart by spending time with him. Because my ways are not your ways, God says. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Shouldn't stop us from asking what is on our heart, but the nearer the two hearts are together, the more our asks will be in line with God's will. Holy Spirit, dwell in me that I may become prayer. Think of Bonhoeffer at the hands of those Nazis. He could have prayed to escape, but he didn't. He prayed, now let me accept the tribulation from your hand, because that was the will of God for his life. Jesus asked if this cup could be taken away from me, but concluded, not my will, but yours be done. This series on prayer is not just a good idea I'm having. It's not a good idea for the small groups to work on, something that can occupy our minds for a week or so, because let's face it, if that were true, there are more books written on prayer than you can ever imagine, and more theological debate than you can ever imagine. It's not about filling space or preaching diary. It's about something that I've been carrying for some time now. 
I believe God is calling us, his people here, to engage and reflect and grow in our prayer life. I think this is one of those moments in time that is calling for a response from us. No matter whether we are beginning or learning to pray, whether we're shooting God help me's or whether we've reached that intimacy of Isaac the Syrian. There are steps we can take in our prayer journey. God is saying it is a time for us if we are to grow as we have said we wanted to grow. The first growing then has to be towards God's heart. It's wonderful how God is blessing us, particularly in our community at the moment. We were reflecting on it at the end of church meeting. There's so much happening and it's all great and it's all exciting. But even with all the good works, all that good stuff happening, we will never transform our community unless Jesus is at the centre of all we do. Otherwise it's in our own strength with our own strategies and our own gifts. For us to grow as his people here, we need to learn to pray. We need a fresh anointing of God. What's, what God wants us to be praying for. To do this, we need to throw ourselves on God, to roll up our sleeves, not to do more work, but to seek him and his purposes for us as individuals and as a gathered community here in this place. So I guess my prayer for each one of us, including myself, is that we each hear this call, not from my lips, but from God himself. That we hear a call to prayer as a spiritual discipline to seek the mind of Christ as individuals, but more importantly, as his gathered people in this place. How we do that, we can discuss that in our groups. How we come to this, we can discuss it in our groups. But that we purpose ourselves to take the first step is what we need to do. Amen.